This time, let's turn to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel 2. This is um, our last sermon in this chapter. We'll start reading at verse 31. And to give honor to God's word, let's stand as we read together Daniel 2, starting at verse 31. Hear the word of the Lord. You, O king, were looking, and behold, there was a single great statue. That statue, which was large and of extraordinary splendor, was standing in front of you, and its appearance was awesome. The head of that statue was made of fine gold, its breast and its arms of silver, its belly and its thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You continued looking until a stone was cut out without hands, and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed and all at the same time and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell its interpretation before the king. You, O king, are the king of kings to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the glory. And whenever the sons of men, wherever the sons of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, or the birds of the sky, he has given them into your hand, and he has caused you to rule over them all. You are the head of gold. After you will arise, after you, uh, there will arise another kingdom inferior to you, then another third kingdom of bronze, which will rule over all the earth. Then there will be a fourth kingdom, as strong as iron, and as much as iron crushes and shatters all things. So like iron that breaks in pieces, it will crush and break all these in pieces. In that you saw the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it will be a divided kingdom, but it will have in it the toughness of iron, inasmuch as you saw the iron mixed with common clay. As the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of pottery, so some of the kingdom will be strong and some of it will be brittle. And in it you saw the iron mixed with common clay, they will combine with one another in the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, even as iron does not combine with pottery. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever." Inasmuch as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. So the dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and did homage to Daniel and gave orders to present to him an offering and fragrance incense. 
The king answered Daniel and said, Surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings, of the kings, and a revealer of mysteries. Since you have been able to reveal this mystery, then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel made request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the administration of of the province of Babylon, while Daniel was at the king's court. Let's pray. Thank you for this great revelation and for this interpretation of this awesome vision and dream. We pray that you would help us to see Jesus and his kingdom But we ask it all in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Now, there there are various schools of thought regarding eschatology, and some people say pre-mill, post-mill, ah-mill. But what I would like to propose is don't think so much about those different terms. But think about whether or not you look at the kingdom of God in a pessimistic fashion or an optimistic fashion. It's a passage like this that gives me an optimistic hope concerning the kingdom of God. My hope is not based upon what I see in society. My hope is based upon what I see in the word of God and what God has revealed to us. And I think that should first and foremost be our authority. Um, The reason we have this great vision is because King Nebuchadnezzar was troubled with a dream. He was troubled with this dream and he gave orders to all the magicians, the conjurers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. That's in verse 2 of of this chapter. The problem was that if they failed to give him the interpretation, verse 5, he threatened to tear them limb from limb and that their houses would be made a rubbish heap. They were going to just just demolish their homes. Maybe they would lose their lives and also their families as well. The king then was suspicious of these men because they said on two occasions, Oh, king, tell us the interpretation. We will give you an... Um, tell us the dream. Tell us the dream and we will give you an interpretation. Well, they were going to make a, an educated guess, and maybe they were going to all collude together and say, hey, let's give them this interpretation. We'll all say the same thing, you know, um, and hopefully we'll, we'll not die along with our families. So the king didn't trust them. He thought that they were colluding, and he said, you tell me what it was that I dreamed. And then after you tell me what it was that I dreamed, then you are allowed to give me the interpretation. He mentions that in verse 9. What we have here in this text is Daniel himself doing both. He asked God of heaven to reveal the dream. And he it wasn't just Daniel, but it was Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, they prayed together. And God heard not only Daniel's prayer, but all of these uh, men, young men's prayer and answered 
the prayer and gave the interpretation. And that's what Daniel does. Daniel is going to give the king not only what he dreamed, but he's going to give them the interpretation of what he dreamed. And we'll see this in two main points. The great statue and its meaning. Secondly, the eternal kingdom of Christ. So let's look first at the great statue and its meaning. So in in Daniel 2, it says here in the beginning, um, verse 31, You, O king, here's what happened. Here's what you dreamed, O king. You, O king, were looking and behold, there was a single great statue. That statue, which was large and of extraordinary splendor, was standing in front of you and its appearance was awesome. The head of that statue was made of fine gold, its breast and its arms of silver, its belly and its thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You continued looking until a stone was cut out without hands and it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were crushed all at the same time and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors and the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found but the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth so he says this is what you dreamed you can imagine that the king was rather astonished now for you kids um, so you might know a little bit more about what the, this this chaff business is. Uh, when you sometimes are harvesting grain, such as wheat or barley or something of that sort, you have to get the husks off. We call them we would call them husks. But they would thresh, they would beat the grain, and then the wind would blow, and then that chaff, that that outer light coating, would fly away in the wind. And that's what happened to these kingdoms. They were all smashed. Um, the statue, uh, they, it was all smashed and it blown away with the wind. So then after this, Daniel moves and then gives this interpretation. He doesn't just say, well, king, this is the, this is the dream. He tells him the interpretation, starting in verse 36. This was the dream. Now, we will tell its interpretation before the king. You, O king, are the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the glory. And wherever the sons of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, or the birds of the sky, he has given them into your hand, and has caused you to rule over them all. You are the head of gold. God did exalt Nebuchadnezzar to give him a mighty kingdom. Part of the reason why God exalted Nebuchadnezzar to give him a mighty kingdom was to discipline the people of Israel and Judah. Uh, Judah especially was, was sacked, was taken over, was sieged by the kingdom of Babylon and that they were taken into captivity. And that was one of the reasons why God had raised up the Babylonians. It was for the sake of disciplining his own people. Um, Verse 39, uh, he tells of two more kingdoms. After you will arise another kingdom inferior to you, 
then a third kingdom of bronze, which will rule over all the earth. Okay, so going back to the vision, you have the statue, the head is Babylon, then below the head you have the breast and the arms of silver, and that breast of arms and silver represents, represents the kingdom of the Medes and Persians. That's the kingdom that came after the Babylonians. You have the belly and the thighs of bronze, and that represented the kingdom of the Greeks, of Greece. Um, why did God uh, use uh, the Greeks? Well, one thing was for a unified language among much of the land. The Greek language was instrumental in being so widespread that we ended up getting what they call the Septuagint. The Septuagint is the Old Testament translation of, in Greek, of the um, Hebrew. Hebrew is translated into Greek. So you have a Greek translation of the New Testament, which was very widespreadly used. And actually, a great deal of citations that we find in the New Testament actually do come from the Septuagint. Uh, think about it. What other book did we get that was very important that came in Greek? It was the New Testament. The New Testament was given um, in Greek as well. So we had a, um, a unified Bible, and that Greek language was very important for that. Uh, verses 40 through 42, Daniel describes some, a kingdom after that, which is represented by legs of iron, with its feet partly of iron and clay. Now, it says, look at verse 40. Then there will be a fourth kingdom, as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron crushes and shatters all things. So like iron that breaks in pieces, it will crush and break all these in pieces. And in that you saw that the feet and toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it will be a divided kingdom, but it will have in it the toughness of iron, inasmuch as you saw the iron mixed with common clay. As the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of pottery, so some of the kingdom will be strong and part of it will be brittle. Okay. Daniel reveals that when this kingdom comes, this kingdom represented by the iron and the feet of iron and clay, it would be a mighty kingdom that will smash other kingdoms. And that's exactly what the Roman kingdom did. And it says that the Roman kingdom was a divided kingdom. I want to read you a little quote of history. If you think our politics are pretty bad, listen to this. A divided kingdom. The Roman Empire was ruled by 77 emperors from the years 27 BC to the years 476 AD. That's 503 years. Out of 77 emperors, only two died of natural causes. 30 of the 33 were murdered by killing by the sword or dagger. Five were beheaded, they were executed. One was strangled, one was hanged, and one was killed by stoning. That's a pretty rough history of, and it may be a very poor life expectancy if you were going to be an emperor in Rome. 
uh, very often times you had to really watch your back because you very well may get a dagger in your back. Um, if you read a lot of the history concerning Rome, it was a very divided, terrible uh, thing. And a lot of that happened even after the coming of Christ. The reason we know that this kingdom of iron, with feet of iron and clay, was Rome, is because during the time of the reign of this kingdom of iron, with the feet of iron and clay, that's when the stone without, that's cut without hands, that's cut from the mountain, comes and hits it in the feet and smashes it. When did Jesus come? Jesus came during the reign of the Roman Empire. He is that stone cut without hands. So let's look at the eternal kingdom of Christ, um, verses 44 through 45. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. And as much as you saw that a stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. So the dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. As we just read, this is an eternal kingdom. Listen to the language here. This kingdom will, it says, will never be destroyed. This kingdom will not be left to another people. That's what happens with kingdoms. Sometimes they get taken over by another people and, and then they get supplanted. That will never happen. It will itself, it will itself endure forever. Now, later, I just find this book fascinating. Later in this book, Daniel is going to reveal more in various dreams and visions concerning this eternal kingdom to come. What's even amazing is that later, King Nebuchadnezzar is going to profess the eternal kingdom of God. And then after that, uh, so we have Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, professing the eternal kingdom of God. And then we have King Darius of the Medes and Persian, Persians. He is going to profess and proclaim to all his people that the God of Daniel is the one who sets up an eternal kingdom. Pagan kings professing that God's kingdom is the eternal one. Not mine, but God's kingdom is the eternal one. It's amazing. So more than this eternal kingdom business, you have what's mentioned in this text that this kingdom is a world-dominating, world-filling kingdom. Verse 35, going back a little bit, it says, The stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Now, how do we know that's representing Christ? We will look at a few New Testament passages. This stone, first of all, the reason it's mentioned that it's a stone not cut with hands, 
means that it's not cut with human hands. And why is it not cut with human hands? It's because it's a stone of supernatural origin, a stone that comes down from heaven, even Christ our Lord. Let's uh, look at a couple of places. You might want to keep your place in Daniel because we do want to look back at that again. First, uh, we'll look at Luke 1. And this is when, um, starting in verse 26... Luke 1, 26. Now in the sixth month, that's the sixth month of, um, um, I guess, of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. And will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, here's the key part, his kingdom will have no end. Familiar language, isn't it? Matthew 21 42, Matthew 21, 42. Jesus said to those who did not believe him, he said, Did you never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This came about from the Lord, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing the fruit of it. He who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust. I love this picture here. If you fall on Jesus you will become broken. And then when you're broken, then you could, you could turn and repent. You have brokenness of sin. But if you refuse to fall upon Jesus to ask for his mercy, that stone which the builders rejected will fall on you and will crush you to pieces and, and you will be demolished like this great statue and scattered like dust, as it says here in this passage. Now, lest we take what we read earlier, if we remember that we, we read early in Luke 1 that the, the kingdom which would come through Jesus, would, that he would reign over, he would reign over the house of Jacob. 
lest you think Jesus only came to rule over only the Israelites. We remember the Great Commission. Jesus said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, not just in the promised land. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go and make disciples. Where? Just the Middle East? No. Of all nations. Of all nations. Go make disciples of all nations. God expected for his kingdom to cover the earth. As that great mountain, which was going to fall, it's a stone cut without hands, crushing the statue, and then it's going to become and grow into a great mountain, verse 35 of Daniel 2, that fills the whole earth. Uh, One other thing, we'll look back at Daniel, but one other thing is that Jesus promises that even the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. That's kind of, that's an extensive march of the church, that even it's going to conquer even the very gates of hell. Um, I love this hymn. I I thought about picking it earlier, but it's, uh, Christ shall have dominion. I'm going to read the first line of it. Christ shall have dominion over land and sea. Earth's remotest regions shall his empire be. They that wilds inhabit shall their worship bring. Kings shall render tribute. Nations serve our king. Christ shall have dominion over land and sea. Look at the response of King Nebuchadnezzar. We'll go back to Daniel 2. The response of King Nebuchadnezzar when Daniel reveals to him the eternal kingdom of Christ. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and did homage to Daniel and gave orders to present to him an offering and fragrant incense. The king answered Daniel and said, Surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, since you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts, and he made him rule over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel made Request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the administration of the province of Babylon while Daniel was at the king's court. Notice a little preview, at least the way it's translated by the New American Standard. Nebuchadnezzar's not 100% sold out that God is the only God. Uh, according to this translation, it says, Surely your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings. He doesn't believe he's the only God or the only Lord of kings, but a great God and a great king. If he did believe that God was the God, the only true God, he wouldn't do what we find next in, in the next chapter. And that gives you a little preview of what's coming next, that He's not sold out and committed that he's the ultimate and the one true God. But I think he will get there. So we have this great statue. Great and mighty image 
representing the world's empires from Nebuchadnezzar all the way to the coming of Jesus. And that the coming of Jesus is going to bring an end to these great empires. It's going to be the demise, but then God is going to set up the heavenly kingdom, that of Jesus Christ our Lord. The eternal kingdom of Christ, the Alpha and the Omega, the ruler of the kings of the earth, even our blessed Lord Jesus. So again, how do we have an, an outlook upon the future? Is it based upon what we see on the news? Is it based upon what we see in society? Well, when things don't go the way that we would like it, and when we see society tanking or going down the toilet, a lot of that has to do with people not submitting to the king. If you submit to the king, he will have mercy on you. If you don't submit to the king, he will chastise you with a rod of iron. And a lot of what we're dealing with now as a nation is the chastisement of, of God, of the chastisement of Christ with that rod of iron. But I say here, brothers and sisters, submit to God's discipline, submit to his chastisement, pray for the nation, and tell others of this great king, the mighty king, the king who is represented by the stone that is cut without hands coming down from heaven, and that his kingdom will become a great mountain filling the whole earth. Let's pray together. We thank you, our Lord, that you have given even Jesus, our Lord, as that mighty king, that mighty ruler, the fulfillment of this prophecy given unto Daniel. We thank you that the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone that the builders have rejected has become marvelous, and it has supplanted the kingdoms of this earth. And we thank you that even now, our blessed Lord Jesus rules and reigns in heaven. We thank you that unto Jesus all authority has been given in heaven and on earth. Help us, we pray, as a church to seek to make disciples of all nations. Help us to do so locally, but also help us to, to find ways that we can support the foreign mission works of our denomination. We ask that you would bring into the nations, bring them in, by your holy gospel, open the eyes of the blind and help them to see Jesus Christ as Savior and mighty Lord of a glorious kingdom and their Savior as well. We ask all these things in the blessed name of Jesus our Lord, for we pray it in his name. Amen. For our closing hymn, let's turn to 280 and the, the dark burgundy hymnal 280, Wondrous King, All Glorious, and we'll stand and sing 280.